0: Of the uh, last, uh, last couple of Sundays, we've, uh, we've uh, begun a journey to move into a new realm, the realm of the supernatural. Amen? And uh, we are on this journey in the sense it's not something that we just, uh, you know, we press a button, we'll be there, i you know, back in the future. All right. Uh, but it's a journey. We're going to make this journey together. We're going to go at it step by step as we learn, as we understand, as we receive from God. Uh, we'll keep moving in it, into it step by step. And what we really desire is to uh, be a supernatural church. Amen? But the supernatural is just natural for us. That we just are in it all the time. We don't visit there and come back on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, oh, I was in the supernatural Monday through Saturday, I'm down in the dumps in the natural worlds. Now we, I believe, we can live in that realm of the supernatural. But as a church, when we gather together, the power of God and the presence of God is so strong that as we gather together, we experience all kinds of miracles taking place. And out there in the world, when you and I go out into the world, whether it's in our schools or colleges, our places of work, our homes, our businesses, wherever we go out in the world, that each one of us will experience God working through us in supernatural ways. Amen. That's where we should be going and that's where we want to go and I believe we will go there. Amen. I mean, wouldn't it be so wonderful if the supernatural is happening through all of us and we are out there, you know, something happens in your place of work and uh, you step in there and, and, and God works something supernatural. To through you, in your place of work, and that can cause or result in many people coming to know Jesus Christ. Amen. Without even preaching a sermon. Because God did something through you in your place of work or wherever you are, in your school or college or elsewhere. And sometimes we are a little afraid about the supernatural. think like, man, if I, if I step into the supernatural, I'm going to become weird. i got to wear my coats on people. What happens if I walk into my boss's room and he falls off his chair, you know? <laughs> I don't want this kind of thing. It's, you know, we, we tend to think that the supernatural is going to make us weird. It's not intended to make us weird. It might be a little unnatural. It might be something we're not accustomed to. But we don't have to be afraid of the supernatural. Expecting God to do something supernatural and becoming channels in the hands of God to do supernatural things. Amen? Tell a neighbor, be naturally supernatural. Uh, As we began this journey, we talked about preparing for the supernatural. I uh, addressed five areas in which we need to move to new levels. Uh, A new level of cleansing and consecration. A new level of hunger for God and His glory. A new level of prayer. A new level of true worship. A new level of faith and expectancy. You know, we have to do something. The Bible says the kingdom of God experiences violence and the violence violence take it by force or they take it with forcefulness amen so the things of god I, I don't normally just fall off like cherries of a tree no. we have to forcefully take it amen Jesus told us that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the wild take it by force. They go in there and say, this is mine, I must have it. And so we as God's people must rise up to that level and say, God, I want everything that you've got from me. I mean, sure, we'll all get to heaven and in the sweet by and by, it's all going to be good. But why not have a taste of heaven here on earth? Amen. And we can if we want to. If we and say, God, I will just get in there and hold on to it and just pull on this and, and take it by force. And I was, as I was sharing on Friday night at our all night prayer, you know, many times when we want to progress spiritually, go from our present level of glory to the next level of glory, we have to change. We are changed from glory to glory. Amen? The things that we are doing has have brought us to where we are. So uh, these same things are not going to take us to the next level. There's got to be a change in what we're doing. And God always releases new wine, a new wineskin. We've got to present a new wineskin to God so that He can release the new wine. The old wineskin cannot contain the new wine. Amen. What we are cannot contain what we want, the the glory that we're asking for. So the wineskin must be changed so new wine can be released. We must be willing to change and move from glory to glory. And, and about our spiritual walk, the Bible says, you know, we've got to lay aside every weight and sin that uh, easily hinders us. Wow, I thought he was going to preach another message or something. <laughs> Thanks, Noreen. We've got to lay aside every weight and sin that hinders us. You know, so in my life, as I'm saying, God, I want to run this race. I'm looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, and I want to run this race. If I want to run this race, God says, you've got to lay aside weights and sins. And sometimes God, the Lord, might put his finger on my life and say, you know, you need to get rid of it. That's a weight on your life. As an example, maybe I'm just watching a lot of TV. I'm not saying watching TV is wrong, but... If I'm watching a lot of television, for me, that's a weight. The Lord could put His finger on that and say, Hey, that's a weight in your life. You get rid of it, it'll help you move forward. Amen? It's a weight. It's not a sinful thing. It's just something that's obstructing or hindering my advancement, my spiritual advancement, my advancing to the next level, making progress in this journey with God. And I believe God can do that for us corporately as well, that there might be weights on us corporately. If we as a church want to rise up to a new level, the Lord can put His finger by His Spirit and say, you know, as a church, you need to adjust this thing here. And, uh, and He says, you deal with that weight, and you can move on to the next level. So let's not fight to keep our weights back. Let's unload them so that we can move on. Amen. And our next message, I talked about manifesting His glory, which was last Sunday. And we said that the glory the Father gave Jesus has been given to us. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, looking very glorified. The, Father, the glory that the Father gave Jesus has been given to us. The glory, we said, is locks of. It simply means the uh, showing who God is and what He does. It's an ability to show who God is and what He does that has been given to us. And um, we said things like this, that Jesus manifested His glory by the miracles He did. When we believe, we will see the glory of God, who God is and what He does. Amen? And in fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, that uh, verses 7 to 9, that the New Testament ministry is more glorious than the Old Testament ministry. You know, when you think of the Old Testament, look at all the miracles that God did. I mean, a, some of them are really amazing or all of them are really amazing. You know, an axe head floating. You now the sun stopping in its tracks. Whatever. All kinds of miracles in the Old Testament that reveal the glory of God. And yet the Bible says that the ministry of the New Testament is more glorious, more doxa, more manifestation of who God is and what He does, Second Corinthians the third chapter, which means that you and I must really be walking in, in a greater dimension of glory than what we see in the Old Testament. Amen? We need to really push into that. That's what God has for us. Greater glory in this latter house is where God wants us to be. Continuing along this theme this morning, I want to talk about our mandate for miracles. So this morning, we're going to talk about our mandate for miracles. Mandate simply means a command or an authorization. God has given us a command. God has authorized us for miracles. We have a mandate from heaven to live this kind of a life. We have a mandate from God to walk in miracles. And I want to approach this by talking, first of all, about the ministry of Jesus and then moving into the ministry that He gave to the 12 and the 70. And then coming into the Great Commission and then looking at the early church. And you find that this mandate continues. Let's go in our Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And uh, verse 21, John 20, 21. Jesus, giving his final instructions to his disciples after his resurrection, said this. He said, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. I'm sending you with the same mandate that the Father gave me, is what Jesus is saying. Communicating. Now, in the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus came to the earth and executed His ministry, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 7 and verse 9, we see this, that the Bible says that He came to do the will of God. He said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. So really, everything that Jesus did on the earth, He, did, he, ex- he expressed the will of God. Jesus is our best theology. Amen? Because He was God in flesh. He did the will of the Father. Whatever Jesus did is approved by God. Whatever He didn't do is, you know, leave it up. Jesus did the will of the Father. A very important part of what He did in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Matthew 4, 23, 24, we find that Jesus went about, Matthew 4, 23-24, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. So is that the will of the Father? Come on, church, it's okay to talk back. (laughs) Is that the will of the Father? So he went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. His fame went toward all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. So a major part of his ministry was given to healing all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Now let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. In John chapter 5, the early part of the chapter, you find Jesus healing a man who is paralyzed, who has been in that condition for 38 years. And Jesus heals him. And this is his, resp- his continuation, his explanation of what he's doing. In John 5 verse 17, Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Verse 19, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So after hearing the, this man, paralyzed man, here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, my father did it, so I did it. I just copying the father. Amen. My father is working, verse 17, my father is working for this and I'm also doing the same thing. I'm doing the works of my father. And then he says in verse 19, he says, the son does nothing of himself. You know, I'm not just making this up. The son does nothing of himself except what he's seeing the father do. He's saying, I am God, the father is working towards this and I'm doing the same thing here on earth. Amen. You can't give what you do not have. God doesn't have sickness so he doesn't give any. John chapter 5, verse 36. It says this in John 5, 36. As it, as, as it continues further on, people are wondering, who is this Jesus? And, and what proof does He have for what, what, what He's doing? And here's what He says in John 5, 36. He says, I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works I do, Bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Listen to this very, very important statement. Jesus says, I have a greater witness than John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? He's the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. The greatest of the Old Testament prophets. He's the one who baptized Jesus in Jordan. He's the one who looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes sin away from the world. He's the one who saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus. He's the one who heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus says in verse 36, I have a greater witness than John. The works that I do in my Father's name, the works that I do, they bear witness of me. Meaning, the miracles I'm doing, the healings I'm doing, they are a much bigger witness to my authenticity than John the Baptist himself. Amen. What I want us to get to this morning is try to understand the importance that Jesus gave for healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. Many times we mistakenly think that healings, miracles, and things, they're the sidekick of the church, you know. They're just a little thing that happens in the corner. Uh, It's not necessary. If it happens, it happens. It's okay. If it doesn't happen, it's okay. But not so in the life and ministry of Jesus. He said, The miracles I'm doing are more important than the testimony of the greatest Old Testament prophets. And then when you go to the 10th chapter of John. John chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25. John chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. I'm just taking this slowly so that it'll just really soak in. Amen? Yesterday, last Sunday, I was preaching very slowly and somebody in the, in the, in the, in the South Church came and said, You know, Pastor, today's pace is the right pace. Then I got the message. I said, okay, so that means I've been preaching too fast on this Sunday. So let's go slow. Let it soak and let it marinate into our spirit. Amen? So if somebody asked you, what happened to you in church? I got marinated. John chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So people come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, we're really really confused. Who are you? If you're the Christ, if you're the Messiah, then just plainly tell us. And Jesus is saying, listen, I told you and you're not listening. And not only that, the works that I am doing The miracles that I'm doing, the healings, the signs, the wonders, the supernatural things I'm doing, they are also telling you that I am the Messiah. Amen? So once again, he's pointing to these miracles as a testimony to who he is. And listen to these amazing statements over in verse 37 and 38 of John 10. Jesus continues in that same way and as he's trying to uh, authenticate himself. And then verse 37, he says, If I do not do the works of my Father, let's read the rest of, verse, of the verse together. Do not believe me. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. And verse 38, But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in Him. I was like, man, this is strong. He's saying, if I am just a, no miracle preacher, no miracle, just a preacher, don't believe me. If I do not do the works of my Father, don't believe me. So tell me, how important is this whole realm of the supernatural, of miracles, healing, signs and wonders to Jesus Christ? I think it's absolutely important. Because he said, if I don't do the works, don't believe me. I mean, imagine if, you know, uh, I stood up in church and I said, if, I, if no miracles happen here, everything I'm preaching, just don't believe it. Just don't pay attention to it. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. If I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe anything I'm saying. Forget all the parables. Forget all the mysteries of the kingdom. Forget about all the prophecies of the end times. Just forget all of that. If I don't do the works of my Father, but if I'm doing it, then even if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the miracles. Is what he says in the next verse. Amen? Even if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the miracles. For the Father has sent me. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So for Jesus... Miracles were more important than his preaching. Amen. I didn't say it. Jesus himself said it. For Jesus, the signs, the wonders, the miracles that he was doing was more important than the testimony of John, the greatest Old Testament prophet. And then we look at a few more here. In John the 14th chapter, Philip says to him in John 14 verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. God, just give us a glimpse of the Father. That's enough. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? In other words, hey, me and my Father, we're just the same. If you see me, you've seen the Father. As I come to do the will of the Father. Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Look at verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Philip. Take my word for it, and if you don't want to take my word for it, hey, look at the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father, or the Father, is in me, and the Father is in me, or else, if you can't take my word for it, believe the works. Once again, to his own disciples proof of, of authenticity, proof that he is the Messiah. He's pointing to his works, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the supernatural things that he's doing. Amen. You go to Matthew chapter 11, you find a very interesting uh, situation in Matthew 11. You know, sometimes you and I might be in a place like this. Here was John the Baptist. who He was the one who introduced Jesus to the world. He's the one who said, Behold the Lamb of God. He's the one who saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. He's the one who baptized Jesus in Jordan. He's the one who heard the voice saying, This is my beloved Son whom I will please. A couple of years later, John is having a few doubts. Did I make a mistake? Was I supposed to baptize a man behind this Jesus of Nazareth? Was I one number too early? So John is in prison, verse 2 of John 11. When John heard and heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Excuse me, John, you're the one who baptized him. You're the one who said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And what do you mean you're asking this question? Are you the Messiah or are we supposed to be looking for somebody else? I mean, John, where are you? Wake up. What's Jesus' response to John? Verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor of the gospel preach to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Tell John, the blind are seeing, deaf are hearing, dumb are speaking, dead are being raised, the good news is being preached. Hope you don't get offended with me. Meaning, Jesus is saying, John... Look at the works. They should be proof enough that I am the Messiah. Amen. So what I want to submit to us and bring us to understand is this, that for Jesus Christ, for the Lord Jesus, the works of the Father, which is supernatural works, signs, wonders, healings, they were of utmost importance in His ministry. Amen. They were the proof of who He was or is. They validated the message that He preached. Amen. And then when Jesus got His 12 disciples, what did He do to them? Maybe go with me to Matthew 10. Just flip back a bit. Matthew chapter 10. Look at verse 1, 7 and 8. Matthew 10, verse 1. And when he had called his twelve disciples to them, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Verses 7 and 8, And as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So to his twelve disciples he said, I'm passing on this mandate to you. When you go, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Do the same thing that I did. Manifest the works of the Father. Amen. Don't just go and preach, but do these things. He passed that mandate on to His 12 disciples. And then in Luke the 10th chapter, He got another 70. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and, every, and the place where he himself was about to go. And verse 8 and 9 of Luke 10. Whatever city you enter there receive and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. So even to another 70, he got another 70 apart from these 12. And he sent them out. He commissioned them. And even to them, he said, do the same thing. Tell them the kingdom of God is here. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast the devils. I mean, just do the same thing. Do the works of the Father. Amen? So the mandate was passed on from Jesus on to the 12, on to the 70. And then you go to Matthew 28. Skipping some verses here. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe... All things that I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20. So he tells his disciples. There were probably about 500 people listening to him at that time. And he says, you know, I'm going up to heaven. You go and make disciples of all nations. And what do you do with them? You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to do everything I have commanded you. Which includes... Heal the sick, cleanse the leprous, raise the dead, cast out devils. Amen. In other words, what I want us to understand is that the mandate that Jesus carried from the Father to do the works of the Father, which He passed on to the twelve, passed on to the seventy, has eventually been passed on to you and me, disciples from the nations. Amen. Meaning you and I must operate in that same realm. You and I must have that same persuasion that, hey, if we do not do the works of the Father, don't believe us. That we must do what we are seeing the Father do. If the Father is still working, that we must keep working along with Him. Doing the same things that He has been doing. Amen. And I find that the early church continued this. In several places, in Acts two forty three and Acts four thirty three, the Bible says, "With great power, the apostles gave witness to the t- resurrection of Jesus. With mighty signs and wonders, they gave testimony to the risen Lord." And we see that even Stephen, in Acts six, he was a man uh, just like just as deacon, just uh, serving in the church. And through him, signs and wonders were. Rod. And Philip, who went to Samaria in Acts 8, through him signs and wonders took place. Other believers who were scattered in Antioch in Acts 11, through them signs and wonders took place. So the early church continued in this whole thing. That they continued manifesting the power of God. They continued doing supernatural things to validate what they were saying. That to give authenticity to who Jesus Christ is and the message they are preaching about Him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5, he says, For my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. Even Paul, when he continued the ministry, he said, I'm doing it with signs and wonders. Amen. I want to close with this verse of Scripture in John 14 and verse 12, that Jesus said, Those who believe in me, the works that I do, they will also do. And greater works than these, because I go to the Father. There's a mandate on your life. A mandate from heaven, an authorization from heaven, an order, a command from heaven. To do the works of the Father. As the Father sent me, I have sent you. We shouldn't be any less in our ministries. Amen. Thank God for all the technology we have and for all the intelligence we have, the archaeological evidence, the uh, apologetics and uh, hermeneutics and right interpretation of scripture and and all of that is good. We need that. Thank God for powerpoints and uh, technology and good music and all the things that we have in, in, you know, to do the ministry Thank God for all of this. And we're not putting it all down. Let's use everything we've got. But if Jesus said, if I do not do the works of the Father, then don't believe me. Then I think we're missing something very important. Amen. All the intelligence we have, with all the technology we have, with all the reasoning we have, we don't have the works of the Father, we're missing something. Imagine how easy it would be if, you, if all of us were out there and the power of God was flowing through our lives and we could see miracles, signs and wonders. And it was just a normal thing for us. Like it was with Jesus. Crowds would come. They did for Jesus. Amen. Let's begin to ask God, saying, God, I want to do the work to the Father. I have a mandate from heaven to do this. I want to readjust my life. I want to readjust my walk with God. I want to. I want to focus on this thing now. If this is so important, if it is so important to Jesus, let it be so important for me. Let it be so important for us as a church. That we're going to realign ourselves, focus on this, pursue it until we see it happen in our lives. Amen. The worship team up, I want you to remain seated for a few moments.